You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Hawkeyes finished their non-conference slate 3-0 after defeating Western Michigan 41-10. to After a slow start, Iowa's rushing attack really took over. We're going to dive into that. Luke Lachey's injury and what it means for this Hawkeye team going forward and much more. David Eichel, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Sean, some positives and a lot and a few negatives, I think. Kind of, a, again, a mixed bag. Obviously, a couple long-term things, some injuries we'll need to uh, discuss in a little bit. But Iowa gained some confidence in, in run blocking, I think, was a significant step forward for this unit. I think George Barnett's done a nice job with this group. And the reality is what really stood out to me, there were a bunch of different running backs making plays. It wasn't just one running back doing it all himself. I mean, Iowa had seven different runners, averaged over seven yards a carry. Take Cade McNamara's sacks out of the equation. They had 280-plus rushing yards. So a great day on the ground for them, despite Caleb Johnson not playing and Jeff Patterson, who only carried the ball six times. But, uh, you know, LaShawn Williams, I think, trying to remind folks that he still wants to be a big part of this team. But let, let's dive into it. Just a really weird game kind of all around. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. Obviously, the story being the running backs. I, I thought the offensive line did a really good job of getting push up front and not only doing that, but also creating holes. And I think one thing that – LaShawn Williams seems to do a really good job of is being able to read those holes and also having enough wiggle and enough elusiveness to, you know, hit those holes. And, you know, he's got, he's got a good burst to him too. And I, I mean, that was probably the best performance of his Iowa career. And I mean, we look at some of the games that Caleb Johnson had last year against Purdue and against Nevada. I would argue that, well, Johnson had more touchdowns in those games and, you know, had a big run against Purdue and also against Nevada. I thought Williams' performance might have been the most impressive of that. I mean, you would love to see some of those big runs that he had, you know, maybe complete that that long run that he had, I think was 58 yards for a touch or 58 yards down inside the 10. You would have loved to see him put that in the end zone. But, I mean, hey, it's, it's still set up a score and, Iowa was able to capitalize on it, but yeah, I mean, the run game and this, I mean, without Caleb Johnson and with a very limited Jazzy and Patterson after what he did last week against Iowa state. Yes. I know it's against Western Michigan, but you feel really 
good about that run game. And the run game was, yes, like we said, Western Michigan and Iowa should be able to run the football effectively. But that's what they did. And you got to tip your hat to the offensive line, to the running backs. I mean, as I said, LaShawn Williams had a really nice game. Kamari Moulton, a limited Jazzy and Patterson, too. I thought he had a nice couple you know, solid runs or maybe ones that would have been a little better had he been healthy. But this that unit's a really, really good group when they're clicking. And Liddell Betts has talked about the depth over the last couple months leading up to the season. And I mean, we see why. Yes, Western Michigan, but still, these are the types of games where you got to do that. Yeah, no doubt. And Kamari Moulton's a guy I didn't expect to get a lot of snaps. I wasn't sure what I thought when Iowa took him. Not that I didn't think he couldn't have be, you know, really kind of elevated his game when he got to the college level, but I certainly didn't expect him to come in and make an instant impact. And he's the first Iowa I believe the first Iowa running back to score two or more touchdowns in his college debut since 2008 when Jewel Hampton had two in the season opener against Maine. But eight carries, 50 yards. And, you know, as as we've kind of brought up a couple of times too, Sean, obviously LaShawn Williams had 12 carries, 145 yards, no touchdowns. I thought he ran really well on that screen play. That was a 25-yard touchdown. Logan Jones really, I thought, was outstanding on that play, the way he got upfield. And I thought it was a good call by Brian Ferentz as well. I mean, we haven't really seen an effective running back screen a whole lot, uh, but it it paid off for Iowa this time. Then you look at, you know, some of the running numbers. Yes, Williams had 145 yards, but Moulton had 50. Uh, TJ Washington, that's another guy I was impressed with in his limited snaps. He seems like a guy who can be a versatile weapon for Iowa. Really ran hard between the tackles. Six carries, 31 yards. Seth Anderson had that 30-yard carry. Patterson at 20. Caleb Brown got two carries, resulting in eight yards. I was very happy to see Iowa try to get him involved from the wide receiver position. I'd still like to see him get a wide receiver screen and him catching the ball a little bit more. And we'll get into that later. I think he's going to play a big part going forward. But, you know, the passing game left a lot to be desired for Iowa, but in, including in pass protection, which had been pretty good for the first couple of weeks. But the running game, it's a step in the right direction, and they did what they should have done against a lesser opponent. And I don't know what more you can really ask of that. And it's a confidence booster for them, knowing that they have guys that can step up. And I believe it was the most rushing yards Iowa has had since 2019. So Liddell Betts is just proving to be a really, really good hire from a recruiting standpoint and developing standpoint of uh, the running backs. Yeah, he's done a really good job revamping that room. And as we said before, I think we mentioned on our board a couple weeks ago that Iowa feels pretty good about the running backs that's coming in. And then, like you said, during the recruiting process, I was a little iffy on Kamari Moulton just from the perspective of, I mean, he plays in Florida. That's, that's obviously a big plus. Cardinal Gibbons kind of used a running back by committee, if I recall correctly, and Moulton was part of that group, so he didn't necessarily have the most eye-popping stats. But, I mean, that's why recruiting Florida is such an important piece, too, because you get guys that maybe aren't getting the Florida State, Florida attention, but they just seem like perfect fits in the Big Ten West. And Moulton seems to really – I mean, he's put on a ton of muscle, it seems like, since – since high school, he was a little frail, a little skinnier in high school, but he looks to have put on a ton of muscle. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, uh, you know, a coincidence that both him and Jerry Bowie, two Florida guys, 
saw the field. I mean, Bowie was the one that saw the field first, I think, in the first quarter at wide receiver. I saw him out there. So Iowa really likes those two guys, and Terrell Washington also got some runs. So, yeah, I mean, that freshman class, I mean, we're not expecting to see a lot of big-time contributors like we did last year with the likes of uh, Aaron Graves, Drew Stevens, Caleb Johnson, but there's a lot of really high-floor pieces that they like in this class, and it'll be a pretty pretty good development class. But, yeah, I mean, overall, mentioning just the backups, even the defense I thought showed a little bit I mean, the defense was out there longer, but Jeremiah Pittman had a nice stop. Max Llewellyn seemed to be all over the field a couple times. I know he had that, uh, almost had that fumble recovery, and I think he had a tackle for a loss too. And I think there was also plenty of other, you know, decent things that we saw from this. From the defensive group, Carson Sherrard had a couple good snaps at linebacker. Um, So it was just good to see, you know, those younger guys come out and perform and, you know, show a little bit more depth because that's, that's what these types of games are meant for. And I think Iowa fans would have, uh, would have taken this result with, without a doubt, especially after that, especially going into the rain delay in the fourth quarter. I know, or in the first quarter, there were plenty of, uh, plenty of nervous Iowa fans throughout the stadium. And then I'm sure at home too. Not necessarily a traditional freshman, but we need to mention Ontario Tom Thompson too with that block. Yeah. He he's one of the more athletic guys on the team. And I thought he had the first one, Sean. I thought he had that first punt blocked. I don't know how he missed it. I need to go back on the replay and look at it. But again, I think you need to credit him. You need to credit LeVar Woods, because Ontario said after the game that LeVar Woods found a weakness in Western Michigan's punt coverage. And I don't know how LeVar Woods continues to kind of find faults like that, but that just shows how ridiculously good at his job he is. But credit to Thompson for sticking with it, going back out there the next drive or the next opportunity to block the punt and did. Gave Iowa two points. And I think, I thought Iowa had the game controlled once they took that 14, 10 lead, Sean. But after the block punt, I really felt like, okay, Iowa's about to turn it on here. That's when I realized the things were going to start clicking. Sometimes it isn't the offense getting going. It's the other aspects of the game really help jump start the offense. But let's move on a little bit more of the offense for as good as the run game was. We got to talk about the passing game. Uh, we'll dive into Luke Lachey's potentially season ending injury from my untrained eye, I'd be surprised if we saw him again this season. I mean, his ankle was the other way, Sean. It was a brutal injury. Unfortunate, too, because Luke Lachey, take take away the on-field aspect. Luke Lachey is a team captain, was at Big Ten Media Days. And on top of that, you've talked to him, too, Sean. Probably one of the most genuinely nice kids that I, I've come across on this beat. Um, you know, I, I've always said, too, when it comes to Luke, like six foot six NFL bloodlines, high, highly ranked prospect. He had every reason to walk in and kind of act like the world's his, but you, I don't think you could really talk to a much more down to earth guy than Luke. I, I, I'm pretty sure you would attest that just a great kid. So I, I feel for him. I feel bad for him. Uh, but we'll get into that in a second. We got to talk about Cade McNamara. This Iowa offense has to get going in that pass game. I, again, I think we've seen some good things through the first and second week. I think they took a step back on Saturday, but I also think at the same time, it was good to see Deontay Vines get his first career touchdown after ever, all the injuries he's been through. But I think Kirk Ferentz summed it up well after the game, Sean. Cade's pressing right now. He's trying to do too much. Uh, and I think we kind of saw it. 
when he's eyeing down a receiver, trying to make the spectacular throws instead of some of the more open throws. I mean, when he threw that second, inter- I believe it was the second interception right before halftime when Brian <laughs> Ferentz kind of lost his mind on the sideline. People are wondering what that was about. I believe Nico was wide open if 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 Cade had just gone through his progression. So I think Kirk was right in saying Cade's just pressing. He's trying to do too much. And when you miss that much time, he's trying to regain the momentum he had when he made the college football playoff with Michigan. Yes, it's going to take time. Missing the two weeks of fall camp certainly hurt. Not being a full participant in practice these first couple weeks has hurt. Uh, but the reality is, Sean, there's no time to be patient, especially with Luke Lachey out. They're going into Penn State next week. I guess what are your kind of thoughts about Cade right now? I think some people are really starting to get worried about the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, I, I back up what Kirk said about he seemed to be forcing. Regani was open going over the middle on that on that interception. And you saw the frustration from Brian, too. And, I mean, I get it. Like, you want to be antsy. You want to make that big play. You want to get a spark going. I mean, Obviously, after that first touchdown in the season opener against Utah State, there really hasn't been, you know, that big touchdown play that, I mean, you start from the highest of highs, and then from there it's kind of, you know, go from it kind of in a lower spot. So, I mean, it was just weird watching him throw yesterday because I felt like there were some throws where he did look a little imbalanced and, you know, his quad really seemed to be bothering him after that first quarterback scramble that he had in the first quarter um, where he was really putting a lot of uh, putting a lot of attention on it and seemed to be holding it pretty, pretty tightly and was grimacing and paying a little bit. I think he had a couple better throws in the second half, but I mean, it's crazy to see what kind of impact um, <clears throat> a like leg injury of that sort can have on, you know, just your whole throwing motion and everything. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you and Kirk on it. I still think Cade's by far – I think Cade's the best quarterback I was had since Stanley. And I think I think his upside is very high. But, again, with Big Ten play getting in the swing of things, like Iowa has to piece this together. I think they need to find a way to move the football against Penn State, which is obviously going to be a challenge. And then you look – not to look too far ahead, Sean, but you look at the following weekends, Michigan State and all that's going on there. They just gave up 713 yards and 29 first downs to Washington. That's a school record for Michigan State. So there are going to be opportunities there. But with Luke Lachey out, at least for Penn State, and I'll be again, I'll be shocked if he comes back this season. Iowa has to get the wide receivers involved. I don't know what they have to game plan, but teams are going to stack the box more than ever with Luke Lachey not being in there. I think there's a positive here with Steven Stilianos and his run blocking ability that might be all not that Luke Lachey is a bad blocker because I think he's come a long long way as a run blocker especially when you look at his film as a freshman compared to now but Stilianos can provide a boost in the run game I don't know about him in the past game I thought it was good to see him get that I believe a 21 yard catch yesterday with Deacon Hill when he was in there for that final kind of drive for Iowa the four catches for 24 yards for wide receivers against Western Michigan, Sean, that's flat out pathetic. And I know Iowa ran the ball a lot against Western Michigan. They were sticking with what was working. And yes, Iowa's very tight end focus, but 
you have scholarship wide receivers, you have guys that are itching to make an impact. And I think the thing that I don't know if people are noticing, I'm sure you are, Sean, Iowa's wide receivers are getting open. Like they're getting a lot more open this season than they were last season. Now, look, there's still some difficult throws that have to be made, but Cade McNamara is a college football playoff appearing quarterback, Big Ten championship winning quarterback. He can make those throws. Iowa has to let the playmakers make plays or at least put them in a position to make plays. So with Luke Lachey out, forget the 25 points per game mark because Penn State's defense and secondary is insane. They had four interceptions against Illinois, all four of which were from different players. It's up to the offensive coordinator to draft up a game plan and find a way to get these wide receivers the football because if Iowa's wide receivers are as big of a non-factor as they've been the first three weeks, Iowa's not beating Penn State in Happy Valley. There's just no chance of it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair point. And I also think that, yes, if the wide receivers aren't getting involved, you can make a living off getting the ball to the tight ends, but you do need to find that on the perimeter because Penn State's going to make it tough with the linebacker versatility that they have and the type of athletes that they have to get tight ends the ball. And it'll be a big test. I'm interested to see how Iowa uses that second tight end because you love to have Eric all there in run support, but he's probably going to be more of a passer or more of a guy that can run out. And I mean, he has been in the past game and used in, you know, various routes and stuff like that. But Steven Siliano's Madison Estranga, I'm, I'm interested to see how that snap count kind of fares between those two. I believe that Stiliano's played more snaps than, uh, than Ostranga did on Saturday. Um, let me look real quick. Stilianos had 45 snaps while Estranga had 26. And, I mean, Iowa can use three tight ends if they really need to on the field, but you would personally like to see maybe one or two wide receivers out wide and um, or maybe, yeah, like three wide receivers out wide and maybe use a max of two. But, I mean, hey, Iowa, Iowa can do it. They can use those three tight ends if they really need to. Um but yeah, I'm interested to see how that kind of snap allotment is used and how they kind of use Eric all maybe different than they did uh, in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I imagine they'll use him more in that pastor role, which yeah. he's pretty comfortable doing compared to what he did at Michigan, but he's also pretty good in run support. But I think that's, I mean, with Lachey being out, I think you can still feel pretty somewhat comfortable about having Stilianos and the strength. I mean, We'll see, but I think this this will be a really big first test for those two. I know Stranga's a guy that you've been very high on since you went and live scouted him when he was in high school. And uh, this has been a guy that Iowa's been very high on. It just wasn't his time. I believe from talking to people, he could have stepped into that second role this season had Iowa not gotten Eric all. So it's going to be a big test for him, obviously. Again, you can't replace Luke Lachey's leadership, but you talk about the depth of Iowa in the tight end room. Yeah, the ceiling isn't as high with you know without Luke, but Addison's a guy that I don't think your floor is not lowered, if that makes sense. The ceiling may not be raised, but the floor is not lowered. The floor is still very high because I think Addison can do some good things in the run game and in the pass game as well. But flipping over the defense, Sean, because we're going to save a lot of our stuff about Addison and what he could bring to the table and all that for our next podcast when we preview Penn State. We got to talk about the defense. The stats don't show it. I think the second half was incredibly strong. Iowa held them to 35 total yards and only one first down, I believe. 
But there were some lapses in coverage, man. Like one touchdown got called back because the center was too far down the field and nothing to do with the wide receiver. And I wrote it in my pregame thoughts. Xavier Wampa is going to be great for Iowa. He's going to be a hell of a safety. But I still think right now he relies on his athleticism to make up for some of the mental stuff. I mean, you look at that 64-yard touchdown Western Michigan had. That was just a blown coverage by X. And I think that's going to be a big learning lesson for him. We know how diligent of a worker he is. I think he has first-round upside. We know all of that. But he blew that coverage. And I I have not gone back and looked at the one that got called back. I don't know if it was on Xavier, so I don't want to throw that out there. But you know good and well, Sean. Penn State's looking at that, and they're going to craft up a couple plays to really test Xavier Wampa this week. Because Drew Allar, he's got a cannon of an arm. He's a five-star quarterback. That Penn State O-line has been pretty good this year, and they have some playmakers on the perimeter as well. Iowa bounced back strong, but some of those explosive plays, maybe it's good you give them up against Western Michigan because you put it on film and you can see what needs to be corrected, but Penn State's absolutely going to look to exploit that. So I think Phil Parker's really going to get after his guys, even if you look at the stat sheet and really aren't impressed with what you see. Yeah. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast i was interested to see how much they put jamari harrison i know he's kind of been practicing hasn't been able to play in in games but i was a little surprised that maybe they didn't put deshaun lee in um earlier in the game i know like you said it was wampa that gave up that was responsible for that long touchdown, but it seemed like Harris was beat on that on that second one that got called back, and okay. it was on that side of the field. I think that was on Wampa's side of the field again, too, and there's a lot of communication that goes into having a safety and a quarterback on that side. I mean, it's not just what do you do with the receiver. There's certain calls, you know, certain zones, certain bunch of things that goes into it, and that communication is really – is really key and you know it's college football these guys are the best of the best and one you know missed call or one miss you know communication here or there could be costly and be a touchdown and defenses can take advantage of that um so i'm interested i mean harris obviously has the experience factor over over lee there's no doubt about that but yeah i mean you mentioned wampa i mean 
he's still figuring things out. Younger guy, obviously his athleticism is probably top notch on this defense, but Penn State is going to find ways to poke, you know, kind of expose that. Yeah. And I'm not sure how many chunk plays Penn State has had this year. I know they've had a couple of deep passing passing attacks and have had success with a lot back there, but yeah, they're going to find a way to exploit that. And that's, that's got to be brushed up on. And I know that, you know, the second half, I, I was really intrigued to see the adjust the adjustments that they made. And Jay Higgins mentioned it where they kind of said, yeah, we, we kind of realized that Phil Parker knows what he's talking about. Yeah. He kind of brushed it off at first saying they didn't really make many adjustments, but then they were kind of like, uh, you know, maybe we should rely a little bit more on what Phil's trying to tell us instead of, you know, us just playing football out there. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a better performance that that was definitely, definitely a plus in that second half, which was encouraging to see. I think they came out after the rain delay too, and really cleaned up a lot of things. And, you know, Jay said that Phil's been pretty calm this season. And he said, it's a little bit surprised him. And Jay added, I don't want to be the one to make the mistake because, you know, Phil's wrath is <laughs> it's going to happen sometime this year. He doesn't want to be uh, the kind of the final straw for him. But I, I continue to be impressed with Jay Higgins from a leadership perspective. I think he's been really, really solid as a replacement for Seth Bench and Jack Campbell. Talk about Nick Jackson very quick. I still think Nick Jackson's going to be very good. I think people are kind of underestimating how difficult it is to play for four defensive coordinators in your college career, join a team in June, try to relearn an entire system and all the terminology when none of it stacks up to what you're used to and go out there and perform. I think his second half was the strongest of his Iowa career. I think he's going to continue to get better. And Kirk even said, it's just a matter of time for, for Nick Jackson as well. But yeah, Jamari Harris, I think it was a good warm-up game for him considering how much time he's missed. You didn't want to bring him back against Penn State. Had he not come back until Penn State, you have to start start Deshaun Lee, barring a disaster, because you just can't throw Jamari to the Wolves like that. So, again, I think there's reasons to be encouraged about the defense. I still think it's a top 10 unit in the country. It's not top three like we saw last year, but last year's was absolutely historic, especially considering how much they were on the field. Iowa special teams continues to be good. Drew Stevens missed the field goal. I don't think that's going to be that big a deal. You know, he's going to correct that. He's been incredibly reliable throughout his short career. His upside's very, very high as well. So we'll see. I'm very excited to watch this Penn State team a little bit more on film. These 230 kicks make it a little bit difficult to actually watch other college football games. You know this, Sean, just give him the morning games. You don't get to watch the end of it. And then we work into the night games. Colorado, Colorado State was probably the first game I've watched start to finish besides Iowa games since the season started, simply because that's all I've had time for. Uh, One quick thing I want to mention about pass pro, and then we'll go back to just final thoughts and all that. Iowa's pass pro, I'm still not overly worried about. I think losing Patterson and the pass protecting thing was a big, big deal because I think he's a really good pass protector. Not having Caleb Johnson's a big deal. So the young running backs, true freshman running backs, trying to pick up some of those blitzes, it's hard. And then you look at the Western Michigan blitz percentage. I think they blitz 76% of the time. So, you know, it's it's a different sort of system, right? Iowa gave up a few sacks. It's definitely going to be need something to be corrected, but it's not a huge red flag to me. Uh, but Sean, actually, before we get to the final thoughts, I wanted to touch on this really cool story. Watch Max White 
score a touchdown. And it was very apparent how much the Iowa team respects him and admires the way he conducts his business. If you saw from the TV side of things, after he scored, everybody was mobbing him. Six-string guy, in-state guy, goes about his business really, really well. Uh, A lot of punchlines from national media about Iowa kind of running up the score, and they brought up Brian's contract. So I'll, I'll make my point. I wrote a column about it, but I'll put it in podcast form. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts about Iowa continuing to stay aggressive to the final final zeros. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing really bad to say about it. I mean, are you just going to give up and not, you know, score? That's, I think, one of the stupidest things. I mean, if you're right on the end zone or if you're right on the goal line, like, what? there's really no – I don't know. It was dumb. It's a dumb – it's a dumb debate. I haven't really thought anything of it. Um, some people put more of their time into thinking about that. And obviously there's a different perspective now because of the whole Brian Ferentz thing. And saw a couple of tweets where people were like, you can blame Gary Barta or something like that. So it's, it's dumb. And I mean, it's kind of cool because I've known Max since he was a junior in high school watched. He was the quarterback for Cedar Rapids, Cedar Rapids Kennedy um, when Connor Colby was on the offensive line and, Max's dad's the head coach at Cedar Rapids Kennedy, and I was at Nick Brooks's announcement the other day. Um, me and Jeff Johnson and the Cedar Rapids Gazette were hanging out in the in the lunchroom where Brooks had the announcement about forty five minutes after the uh, after the game or after the announcement. Sorry, and I was like, I said to Brian Max's dad, I was like, Hey, I saw, uh, I was talking to Maxi. I said, hi, like said, what's up to Max the other day. And, um, a few people were on social media were commenting about his, uh, the bro tank that he was wearing at his, at his brother's high school football game when they played Dowling on a, on a Saturday night. I think it was a couple of weeks ago, um, when I was there and he was like, yeah, man, we're just excited. It was so cool. Like, and he, we joked about that. And then he was like, Oh man, I was like, I'm so like we were really excited to see him go into the game like last week because he got into the season opener. Yeah. Um against uh Utah State. Yeah, he did against Utah State. And they're like, Yeah, he's traveling to Iowa State and like we just want to see him get into the game and stuff. So that was kind of cool to, you know, I, I can he was smiling when talking about it and it just means a lot, like to people and especially a kid growing up in Cedar Rapids. Like Kirk said, he had the opportunity to go to a couple of FCS schools, a couple other places, and decide to come to Iowa and walk on. And, you know, it's not easy being a walk on, and especially when, you know, you're you're getting recruited over like Liddell Betts. I mean, Liddell Betts has done a great job. And, yeah. but, you know, that's that's tough on guys like Max who, I mean, are working their butt off. And to see him reap the benefits, like you said, there's a lot of, a lot of people that respect him in that room and a lot of people that really like that kid and just a hard working. He's a really good football player. And, you know, to see him get into the end zone, that was pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt. And you think they're like the players are thinking about Brian's contract? Let's be real. They're going out there to play the game. They're going out there to execute. They're going out there to celebrate Max and his touchdown. The other part, too, is you brought up, they took over the 33-yard line for Western Michigan with three minutes left. What do you yeah. want them to do? And It's like you're going to run backwards. Exactly. And the other thing is, what happens when you put a second string defense in? They're not letting the opponent score. They're trying to earn playing time. They're trying to earn reps. They're trying to gain valuable experience. 
why wouldn't the backups, why wouldn't the offense do that? And you think about where Iowa's position is right now. Walk on running back, freshman running backs. Okay, well, Caleb Johnson's out. Jazzing Patterson's limited. He, you know, he he ended up leaving the game. You have your top two guys out. You have your backup quarterback who hasn't played meaningful snaps since his junior year of high school in 2019. Cade McNamara has been limited with a quad injury. Don't you want your backup quarterback to have a few throws in game to be able to have something to go off of? Uh, Luke Lachey getting hurt. Steven Stilianos had a 21-yard catch. Wouldn't you want your third or fourth string tight end to have some experience if, with a tight end going out? Iowa's trying to develop depth, and Iowa's been so criticized over the years for turtling in late games and keeping games closer than, than they should be. And now they go out there and they're aggressive, and now, you know, like you said, some people are making a punchline out of it. Iowa can't win in that circumstance, but Iowa's biggest mistake over the past few years is they're playing not to lose, not to win. Iowa needs to continue that mindset over in these Big Ten games. And I had no problem with it. I think the people who are just poking fun at are looking for engagement. And uh, I think Brian made the right decision. You know, the fans were going crazy about it too. And I don't think it was sarcastic. They wanted to see Max score. They want to see Deacon Hill have some success. So it is what it is. We'll dive into a lot more with Penn State this week. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at David I. Colt, at SBOC247, at Hawkeyes on 247. Stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the latest.